Hey guys, Caspian here. I just want to thank you for tuning in to Buddhist by the Roadside. In this episode, we talk about research and research in relation to Corona. And Dominic brings up his method of researching or, or rather generating tabs on his computer. We take off from there and, and then we we sort of riff as we usually do. Once again, I want to thank you for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the conversation. But I've been snivelly and um, yeah, I had sort of a sore throat for a day and then back to snivels and then um, suddenly it kind of got into what for me is typically flu um, by day three-ish. Um, and it ended up in a, a night of, of fever, um, which took away all of the, the flu-y kind of symptoms where you just feel mostly like death, warmed up kind of thing. Painful limbs and very tired and short of breath. And, and now it's sort of um, become a bit of a, a cough. And this is also the Dane's fault because my, my son had been on holiday in Denmark and came back sick. And you see? It all traces back. It all traces back, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. this is really classic projection. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the saying, follow the snivels. Just follow the snivels. It leads you to the cash. Yeah. Well... Yeah, I have a miserable cat in the background. I'll see if I can get the youngster to let him out. To call him over. You can take a statement. Poor thing. Yeah. I'm thinking of sleeping outside in the garden tonight. Very nice. Yeah. Why? Because it's so lovely. Especially since I sort of, you know, drag out a full mattress, so it's not sleeping on on the ground, ground. It's sleeping on the ground, but with a proper mattress in between. It's lovely to go to sleep and then to wake up. You do realize that, that on the area, you have one part that outside, where there's grass and animals and, and shit and stuff, and then you've got one one part of it that's protected with a roof and walls and there's heat and there's, you know, everything you need. What are you talking about? And then you can sort of go outside and sleep. Huh? It is lovely. But one, I come for the... one, oh. one morning when many years ago when we, we actually did this, the whole family a couple of years, sort of make a huge bed and everybody's like, one morning Andos did wake up with an ant crawling inside of his ear. It was like, oh, that's a weird little drumming noise. <laughs> <laughs> they were doing the Macarena. They were, it's like, how the fuck do I get it out? And we realized the way to get it out was not to sort of, if it was in, in that area, it wasn't to do that, it was to do, Sort of tip your head so that it would go up. Mm. Um, 
exciting. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the wonders of sleeping outside. It is actually quite yeah. nice. Well, you know, sleeping in the desert, um, which I've tried a few times, that's the, then it's, it's best to sleep on your, on your hand with your head off the ground. Uh, because the the ants, and I'm saying this with big inverted commas, are not that cool. You know, they have sort of things that stick and so on. And they do like to go into little holes like your ear. And um, yeah, and they don't have that kind of Bootsy Collins inclination, you know. I was you... bitten by a few ants yesterday. I was picking raspberries and all of a sudden I had, it, it hurt here and there were like five, ten of them here. How do you not feel arm. that? Well, I did feel it when they started biting me. It's like, what the fuck? But I was in the middle of the raspberry sort of jungle and the raspberries are kind of sticky as well. So, um, or sharp. So You became... You know, somebody's prey. I did. I as did. as should be the case. Yeah. As should be the case. We're all prey or predators at some stage in the day. Hmm. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. So what else is there? Well, on the agenda, you know, um, I've kind of had a an interesting time with um, all of the. You've been tab cleaning. Yeah, that's also true. I have, um, and really, I'm not. I'm not getting anywhere. It really, it feels terrible. It's like something's uh, badly wrong. Um, but I have come down from about 600 tabs to 300. Um, it's. He is it, so much worse than me, Caspian. He is so much worse than me. Mm. I don't think I've ever been above a hundred. And then there's the other problem that, um, you know, this kind of ADHD business. So while I'm cleaning tabs, I'm also researching. Um, so I generate more tabs. Um, get rid of one, open two. Uh, get rid of one, open eight or ten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. Uh, however, the new ones, I am trying to stick to my policy of actually curating and collating um, and uh, m making good use of. So how do you do that? Uh, I use, uh, you know, mainly two or three um, uh, of these kind of, what would you call them, brain type of softwares. I mean, I use one called The Brain. Um, they're kind of uh, uh, brain mapping. So I use uh, categorizing and library um, apps like GetPocket. Um, so you sort of, do you save of the ones you open, you save I most save of them? I save and tag um, things into, uh, in particular, uh, Pocket. Um, but I use what's important to go into the brain um, or even paper um, so that I can use sort of uh, brain mapping 
you know, to link uh, items and concepts and uh, kind of levels of discussion. And, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. It's like being in a sweetie shop and knowing that at some stage you're going to get sick from eating too much sugar, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and then I can get to a point where my brain just kind of goes totally like porridge and um, then it's time to take a walk and really the the outside world at the moment is just so fantastic for me it's been cold the coldest July ever kind of thing um, in Sweden birdsong is completely fantastic from like four o'clock in the morning they're roaring and in the evenings and uh, the weather's cool and it's been it's been really fabulous but the the material i think is just wow you know like really fascinating like these kind of dynamics about denmark for example um i sent you this uh little uh article from um this very famous um data scientist um who's called Puyeo, yeah? Hold on, we don't want to do the guy a disservice here. I'm sure we can find out what he's called. He's called Thomas, I think. Well, there will be a link in, in the show notes as well. Yeah, Thomas Pueo. Um, and he gained some fame or notoriety, whichever, um, writing about the coronavirus very, very early on, um, uh, has had millions and millions and millions of shares of his, of his work and came up with this um, concept of the hammer and the dance and has been very outspoken about what's the right and the wrong thing to do. Um, for the coronavirus and the right thing to do is to sort of lock down as powerfully as you can um, and then once you've gotten rid of the virus then you can start this process that he calls the dance where he details a few different ways in which you're supposed to do this and then everything's going to be fine and you can start up your economy and he got lots of ideas of how you're going to start up your economy etc etc and I think a lot of people have found the material um, you know, really valuable. Uh, it certainly is is very thorough, an amazing collection of data, an astonishing collection of graphs. There should be, you know, something like a graphic warning, uh, warning graphic material, because there's a lot of complicated graphs to get through if you want to get into his stuff. And recently, <coughs> excuse me, he published a, a paper recently. It's a month, it's more than a month ago, the 9th of June about those damn Swedes and how really stupid they are and completely irresponsible, et cetera, et cetera. It's like really quite a strongly worded article. Um, and it's not the only strongly worded article. There was recently a Danish researcher that published in the Times um, and uh, had a lot of uh, things to say about Sweden. <clears throat> and he got... Um, kind of classically challenged on, you know, 
seemingly simple factual issues by a Swedish researcher called Emanuel Karlstein. Um, and Karlstein is like an independent journalist. I think he may previously have worked for big newspapers, but at this stage I think he's, a, he's an independent. Oh, he, he's still working a bit for, for Göteborg's Boston. But he's okay. mainly independent, yeah. yes. And Karlstein kind of has become like a, a local pueo. Um, he's got a lot of respect during the, the corona crisis for publishing kind of, you know, good feet on the ground um, sort of stuff, you know, let's stick to the facts and not speculate and so on. And he really tore apart this Danish guy because the Danish guy was just, you know, doing exactly what Swedish people have always suspected Danes do, which is to lie and to distort the truth and to try and gain as much advantage as you possibly can from the completely naive and stupid Swedes, um, <clears throat> which is really a genuine, one of those genuine sort of, what should one say, prejudices that Danes have about Swedes is that they are stupidly honest and completely naive and you can manipulate them as much as you like. And the Danes, the Swedes believe that the Danes are deeply dishonest, manipulative, um, shouldn't trust them at all, ever, you know. Um, and one of the things about the Pueo article is it started by saying that you should really compare the Scandinavian countries because they're so similar, uh, not only in numbers, but in culture, which of course has all Scandinavians lying on the floor, um, either choking on their coffee or laughing themselves to death, because there's not a lot that's very, very similar about Denmark, Sweden or Norway. Um, but there you go. Um, so I don't want to like take issue with the stuff that he writes, uh, Pueo or the Danish guy that was writing in the Times, but just that part of the Corona experience is this thing of who's right and who's wrong and who's responsible, who caused all the trouble, you know, who is patient 206, um, was the virus caused by uh, travelers that came from other countries. This is sort of, for example, one of Pueo's um, data proofs is that the crisis in Argentina was entirely caused by foreigners. Um, uh, he calls them tourists, but of course in some countries they're definitely going to be called foreign, foreigners. Um, and that this is the case in, in many countries where nothing bad would have happened um, except that, uh, you know, they allowed some tourists and Portugal has a problem because they allowed Brazilians and probably Americans. And um, this is a really good idea because to, to, to not allow these people to travel into your countries, specifically Swedes, Portuguese um, and Americans and Brazilians because they've got very high caseloads um, and they didn't do the responsible thing. They were deeply irresponsible. Um, and then, you know, a month later, by the 9th of July, there are all over Europe, more or less, Spain, all these places that Pueyo is saying are these really great examples of why his theory is perfectly right. Suddenly they're having to have to lock down cities again because there are huge spikes. And I guess this must be because they allowed in Swedes. Oh, um, no, they didn't. Oh, dear. Uh, where are we now again? 
Who's responsible? Yes, we're going to find them very soon. Uh, we're still doing the thing from the White House about those uh, pesky Chinese who, I think just like a week ago, the guy with the big blonde hair, you know, what's his name? The Donald was reminding us that the Chinese lied. But then it turned out that um, the Taiwanese lied about having warned the WHO and that the Americans have been using the false Chinese information, the false Taiwanese information to attack the Chinese. God, it's just like the most amazing maelstrom of, you know, it's, it's, it's like a, a, a perfect image of the state of the psychological being called the human, where it's like somebody should really be able to be blamed. So let's take that as a given. Blame is part of our thing. That's what we do. And if we can't find somebody that's actually to blame, well, we'll find somebody that can be blamed for the time being. And, you know, if they happen to be executed, well, you know, that's kind of unfortunate. Um, sorry, you know, collateral damage. And, well, the collateral damage is quite supreme. And when you start looking at uh, security issues around the world, um, situation in Africa is getting really, really fucking hot. I mean, it's really, really just building week after week. And, you know, the, the, the crises that started in, what, 91 um, in the Great Lakes region. Um, and I, I start there in, for, for the simple reason that lying behind all of this is the same sort of, of, of uh, values, issues that lead to why the corona crisis is a crisis beyond, I mean, why it's an economic crisis, why it's a political crisis, why it's a values crisis, why it's a cultural crisis. Because obviously it's a health crisis, but that's not the, the point for me here. But that, that once you kind of get over the, the events around um, the Great Lakes region with the, the enormous genocide and, and huge... Uh, Rwanda and... Yes, exactly. That. Yeah. And start to unpack what the, the causes there are. Um, they are kind of very clear linkages from... Uh, Rwanda uh, through the Great Lakes region into Chad, into Somalia, um, into Sudan, into Eritrea, uh, you know, being enormously exacerbated by Libya, um, the Arab Spring uh, moving through Mauritania, down into Mali, uh, coming down into West Africa. And wow, man, who are the people that are playing there and what are they doing? Well, you know, it's the usual suspects and all of it about resources. And the usual suspects are? Well, it's any of the great powers. You name them, they're there. There are no shortages. There's like, you know. And, well, you know, I think you could probably point some fingers and say that yeah, the situation in Rwanda was probably attributable to very specific forces within the NATO alliance, broadly speaking. So European and American interests, um, once the shit hits the fan in the um, 
former Republic of Zaire. Um, well, you know, you can go and read the, 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 the congressional um, hearings in the United States and understand how deeply involved the United States is in delivering weapons to protect uh, slave-driven mines, uh, specifically geared towards, uh, amongst other things, rare earth metals, uh, but also things like tourmaline, uh, but copper, zinc, whatever, you know. Um, and, and these are not connections that are small. I mean, they lead to, uh, for example, um, the former Secretary of State, uh, the little one, what was she called? Madeleine Albright. Um, and uh, Madeleine Albright's partner, who is kind of Mr. Diamonds and illegal metals, uh, kingpin, big gangster, um, by some reports. Otherwise, very respectable man, goes to lovely dinners, um, and, uh, you know, no, no flies on him, so to say, as they say in Australia. But even recently, you know, uh, China has obviously been involved in lots of African countries in very different ways. And you can back this up, you know, way, way, way back into the so-called Arabization of the region, um, the ways in which African uh, nations become Arabized, uh, become uh, parts of a much broader game of, of playing off ethnicity and citizenship and religion uh, and using the tensions in those forms in order to secure different kinds of, uh, you know, regional advantage and above all, resources. So what's the, what's the link when you say that it's getting really hot in Africa? Well, um, the, uh, the different insurgencies um, in, in any case, Western Northern Africa have uh, increased significantly during the Corona period. Um, the war in Eritrea has uh, worsened significantly. Um, during March this year, I'm sure, I mean, I didn't know until yesterday, the Swedish government actually um, put forward new proposals to extend their engagement in Mali, part of a UN peacekeeping, uh, uh, what do they call them, resolution um, for Mali. Now, specifically, this happens on the back of, uh, depending on who, which side of the fence you're sitting on, invasions that um, happened as a, as a response to uh, what some people may see as legitimate political insurgencies within countries like Mauritania and, and Mali and so on. Um, but the French thought that it was a good idea to protect their own interests like uranium, for example. Um, so, you know, on the, on the surface of it, there's this <coughs> air of respectability because the UN has signed off on it. Um, on the ground, there's something very, very different going on. In Nigeria, there's uh, huge numbers of people um, who are uh, homeless on the move, um, you know, facing hunger. Uh, and these things are directly attributable to, for example, the, 
the IMF, I mean, um, Christine Lagarde, when she was still IMF chief, crashed the Nigerian economy by manipulating uh, energy prices, because they can, uh, which massively uh, sort of exacerbated situations of, of suffering and poverty and, of course, makes extremism a, a real option when people can't listen to political discussions based on real needs. Now we have Christine Lagarde saying that, you know, one of the great things about the coronavirus is we can invest in green technologies across Europe. We're going to see a, a green investment revolution. I can't remember her exact words, but they're really quite sickening. I mean, they, and it's not her that's alone. You know, I pointed you guys to the, the World Economic Forum so-called reset program. And I mean, really, I think you should go and watch the, the day one because it's, it's, uh, you know, take a sick bag because basically, you know, I don't know, we, we need to get a new word for this. We can't speak about the patriarchy or Adam Smith's economic man, you know, you should sort of just call it white supremacy or something really distasteful because that's basically what they're doing is they're just spilling out all this really tired old shit about how um, we're going to carry on with the growth program. And we're really going to do it really well this time. This is going to be great, you know. Um, sorry, wasn't that a famous quote? It's going to be great. <laughs> Cheers, Donald. Thanks for that one. It's an unpleasant picture. And there's also at the same time this kind of bizarre silence on these issues when you're stuck in a world where there's um, so-called cancel culture um, on the front of the of the agenda where you can basically be executed from your public life through um, you know the court of public opinion so the idea of cancel culture is basically that you get called out as a racist slash white supremacist slash misogynist slash whatever um, and then you should be taken off your platform um, you know and uh, this kind of stuff has been going on for a while um, Trump threatened to ban Twitter and uh, you know Twitter put flags on his posts because they were uh, they were lies no what lies yes lies oh dear that was terrible well, I guess people forgot to mention that Twitter, one of Twitter's main um, partners also just happens to supply information about people's movements during Black Lives Matter protests directly to the police. No, seriously. Um, yeah, you know. I mean, I find this stuff totally like, you know, if you want to make sense of anything, this is not a place to go. <laughs> it's really very, very hard because at the level at which it gets produced, it's just like Freddy Krueger and Mother Teresa are the same person all the time. You just don't know where to look. I think that is one of the reasons why I don't. You know, I just... I. I don't want to know. You know, what, what, what to do with 
with this type of information. But you want to know about coronavirus, right? You want to know well, whether you're safe. I'm really not looking into a lot of it. You know, be I haven't read a lot. I don't follow the daily statistics, yada, yada. Well, you must be a corona denier. Did you know that that's a thing? No. A corona what? Yeah. I don't. A corona deny. denier. Mm. You're either for us or you're for the virus. Yeah, we have proof. You didn't sneeze into your armpit. <laughs> no. Very true. So, I mean, I in the same it. week, for example, you can see that um, the great sort of data scientists are saying that um, the, the, the Swedish strategy is complete bullshit. Um, and the view from the local Swedish data is that up to 40% of, of the population in, in uh, the high concentration areas may have been infected by corona. So from the international data perspective, they say as low as 4%. Um, and <laughs> just, I mean, the gap is just astonishing. And if you, if you take out the content of this, you know, if you sort of just put in another random word, just write in uh, the economy or Russia or, um, you know, whatever, uh, fuel prices or, <clears throat> it all looks pretty much the same. It's this really bizarre um, sort of spectrum of, of non-information. I don't know what you would call it otherwise, but you can rely on the fact that whatever's in the news, pretty much sure that you should not believe what it is because at least that spectrum of between four and 40%, you know, so there's like a 90% differential between what's true and what's not true uh, in what's, what's on your newspaper. So what's the link here to LGGI, least generous and generative interpretation? Well, from my point of view is that there's sort of a feeding into a culture, you know, the, uh, people feed uh, an already hungry shark tank with stuff. And there's maybe two different shark tanks um, from my point of view. The one shark tank is called freedom and the other shark tank is called justice. And the justice tank feeds on the, on the freedom guys and the freedom tank feeds on the justice guys. The justice guys all hang out on Twitter more or less, not necessarily, but Twitter's like the, the scene, you know, that's where you go and speak about why it's a good idea to um, vote for anyone but Trump. So Biden's going to be okay, you know, because we're going to do this for justice. Um, and Regrettably, a lot of really good uh, uh, issues kind of are subsumed into that problem, like, for example, issues of racism. They disappear into the, the justice bin um, and are 
made into something else. They capitalized, weaponized into a completely different agenda. And if that sort of is difficult to grasp, then you just need to go through what the Democratic Party in the United States has actually had um, in terms of policies for black people. Um, not a nice picture. Recently, like Hillary Clinton recently, like Obama recently, how we treat black people, appalling. Really not nice. And this is not so different, you know, in, in Sweden or Denmark or whatever. The, the idea of, of social democracy is, is deeply belabored by an inability to confront its own shadows. Say that again. I said the idea of social democracy, European social democracy, is deeply belabored by an inability to face its own shadows. And there are just endless, endless examples of this, you know. I mean, the, the EU Lomé agreement, for example, that was supposed to create markets for poor black farmers, um, you know, to be able to raise up into the, onto the level of the world economy, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what happened was that those farmers went out of business because the deal was based on the idea that Europeans could dump cheap goods onto black farms, onto, into black countries. And what were those cheap goods? Well, they were things like milk powder. So subsistence cattle farming just disappeared. So the least generous interpretation stuff um, kind of tends to present itself in the form of, of cancel culture. So I've said something now about that, you know, social democrats don't really take care of the, the issues that have brought them into power. Um, and then someone will come and interpret that as saying, uh, yeah, you're a right winger um, and you shouldn't be on this platform. So gone with that. If you zoom out a little bit, you start to notice that, I mean, unfortunately, the best information you can get about justice issues is probably from um, the wrong people, i.e. from the side who's not taking care of justice issues. And the best information about freedom issues you can get from the other side because <laughs> they reporting in, in, in sort of, um, you know, uh, in, in ways that suggest that they uh, actually see the issue clearly. So whatever the depth of advantage is um, that people are seeking, it doesn't really seem to make that much difference until you zoom further and further out into larger and larger systems and start to link up these different arenas. Take a, you know, one of those kind of system maps that are produced by the World Economic Forum. Um, don't get too hung up on what content they write about, but start to think about something more um, intuitive.
what what is it in in all of this because I can understand if if you are one of the justice guys or one of the um, freedom guys that that you want to sort of push your agenda or or make a stronger stance because oftentimes when we polarize like that we see it very much like a war of some kind it might not be shooting people but but it's still a fight and it's a conflict and i think that's what what people are seeing and interpreting and and acting from but for you as as a bystander in many cases at least um what do you gain from from looking at all of this what's the drive what's the purpose for you for me personally yeah well i mean what i'm hoping to see is um indicators of thinking and decisions and values that in 50 years will have a significant impact on the kind of world that we're going to be living in. So kind of, um, you know, backing out into a space where um, it's really obvious that the it's not a freedom versus justice discussion it's a freedom and justice as the sort of two poles of the battery and the battery is uh, peace uh, equality uh, you know um, development <laughs> these kind of uh, nice uh, uh, goals to try and and and, uh, and achieve or some sort of uh, sense of an, an, an integrated uh, state of life yeah, that includes and that is um, regenerative. I found a, a, a really interesting project during all of this called Regenerosity. You should look it up. It's kind of fun. It's an interesting idea. It's a sort of uh, putting the regenerative science of regenerative practice into um, something like pay it forward uh, cultural speech. It's quite a lovely idea. But what it does for me is that, um, I mean, I don't feel powerless um, because um, I've kind of gained some sort of skill in being able to read uh, maps of information, um, put things up next to each other and see links, see um, relationships that are not uh, necessarily causal, that are not necessarily correlative, that don't necessarily happen in the same uh, time space, um, you know, whether it's weeks or months or years. Um, but putting that up and creating a, a, a background, um, a sort of uh, a background canvas uh, helps me to orientate and to feel um, 
it, 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 it's like an anxiety cure, you know. Um, more than anything else, I think, um, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a very sort of palpable daily level, I think it's, a, it's an anxiety cure um, in the sense that it helps me to understand that um, the stuff that's being thrown around uh, is meant to generate anxiety um, and that it doesn't necessarily have a, a goal. Um, it's not some kind of conspiracy to um, achieve a particular thing. It's rather a, a habit, um, a sort of um, unfortunate uh, side effect of the kind of, of dragged existence that um, humans have been running, you know, for primarily during the industrial age. Um, to just keep pumping the shit out. Um, and if you can kind of hang with that and start to understand that the stuff that's driving the, the process underneath, the sort of desperation of seeking advantage, of wanting to be in the position of monopoly privilege and understanding monopoly privileges beyond uh, national borders or beyond uh, ethnic cultures or, um, you know, then it sort of uh, gives me a sense of that um, I can actually breathe, I can uh, be my own person, I can run my own life. Do you find evidence of these decisions and values and stuff that will which will if I'm sort of reading you right make a shift to towards uh, freedom and justice towards peace and sort of Mm. Do you find it? Yeah, um, I do. Where do you find it? Um, well, just about everywhere. Um, and it's, it's not that surprising because, you know, we're curious beings and there are amazing things going on. People are really very deeply into researching at, you know, amazing depth and width so one of the sort of um, uh, great results of neoliberalism, for example, is that there's there's been this this uh, development of of cross sectoral thinking that people are um, cooperating broadly over a greater range of subjects. There are fewer and fewer pure silos of information. Um, pure silos of, of um, subjects or schools or um, arenas where there's only biology or there's only physics. They do exist, but um, much of the material that's worked on today at a, at a high level has become far more systemically aware than what existed previously. 
And whatever drives those those agendas, and definitely there are agendas, and they are financed by people who, depending on which side of the fence you sit on, really have very, very dodgy, um, you know, uh, 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 motivations, etc., etc. But there's a there's a battery underneath, yeah. There's this kind of uh, freedom and justice thing. Um, also working within research, also working within politics, etc., etc. And there's a battery underneath, and in that battery, there's a source of insight that it doesn't matter what side of the fence you sit on, you can't avoid it. You can't avoid the reality that that um, neuroscience publishes. You can't avoid the reality that that uh, quantum biology publishes. The stuff just kind of keeps coming at you um, and it may come at you from angles where uh, it generates very particular kinds of, of uh, hope or you know you might sort of think that oh wow AI is going to save the day well that sort of seems unlikely but it's definitely going to have an impact okay well you know can't we just apply biomimicry um, well Probably not, but it might just do some really good things. Um, but the insights, the, the principles in thinking that underpin the ability to achieve these insights, they affect everybody. Not quickly, you know, yeah, in 50 years. And that's happening. That's really happening. So at the moment, there's a lot of shit in the air. There's so much noise. It's unbelievable. It doesn't matter what subject you take, whether it's gender or politics or race or money or economy or agriculture or whatever the case is. It's like there's so much infected, uh, toxic shit going on that it's very, very difficult to discern anything from it. And I don't really think that it's valuable to try to discern things from it, but to just take in that, okay, this is like, you know, you get those puffer mushrooms, you know, when you sort of step on them and the spores go up. Well, you know, in a year's time, those spores actually are gonna turn into new mushrooms. But while you're standing there, it's very difficult to pick out a spore or to sort of <laughs> and it's like there's a lot of spores in the air right now um, if you'll excuse the, the sort of uh, you know so I have an ask of you because you or we but mostly you now that you're curating your 600 tabs you send us articles and, and sort of opinion pieces and um, chronicle, you know, sort of stuff. And this might be just the way my brain works, but when I pick up on those, I see the stuff that you don't want to see more of. Sort of rather than, oh, here's something that might turn into some good new mushroom over time, could you send me some of some of those? You want you want edible mushrooms? I, yeah, I don't want the poisonous shit. You know, could you send me something that just to get a sense of what it is? Where you see? Oh, look here. There's 
there's hope. There's, you know, there's something that this is something that I, I, that makes me happy, that, that makes me intrigued, that makes me curious. And, and I'd like to see more of, or, or sort of what it might turn into. Yeah. I want the edible mushrooms or at least flag them. You know, put a poisonous sign next to the articles that <laughs> are poison. Eat Don't eat this shit. This mm. is the stuff to eat. Just because it's it's what you are sending me is the poisonous stuff, I think. And it 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 makes me sort of go, oh shit! There's no hope in Dominic's world. But you say that there is, and then I want to see sort of the evidence of that as well. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, and uh, really, I, I, I think that I do send you some things that I think are kind you of You probably do, but I don't, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know in which things you find sort of the edible stuff and which ones you see as purely poisonous. And I do think um, that, that in terms of, you know, I, I don't know what the subject would be called, but mushroomology. Uh, I think you're at, at, at a whole nother level than both Helena and I at seeing yes. those things. Yes. So at times yeah. maybe sending in a note saying, you know, this mushroom tastes like this and that's good because. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I hear you. It would go well with a carbonara. Yeah. Yeah, help us help us uh level up, I guess. Um And and because you know, I yesterday I finished reading this this book, um, Guts Olidia Reben, the the disobedient rib of of God, um, which is you know this sort of odd but outspoken um, lady who's been sort of feminist and, and whatnot for, for many, many years. I've never heard of her before, but when she started to read the Bible, she got pissed, right? And, and her being so pissed throughout the book, it's still a very sort of, I recommend reading the book because it has, it does point to just, holy fuck, this is absurd shit. But she's so pissed that even I, who definitely don't go for the LGGI, but rather the opposite, could sense that, oh, well, she's a little bit too, you know, this is mm, stretching it a little bit too far. Um, but in general, I don't do that. I sort of take stuff at face value and just sort of say, because I want to interpret things generously and, and generatively. Um, and, and I don't know that I really want to learn to interpret stuff less, 
more sort of, I don't want to go LGGI on myself, but I can sort of sense at the same time that, you know, maybe some of the naivete of, of me when I'm reading uh, would be beneficial if I was a little bit more critical or um, sort of just thinking one step ahead. And right now, I'm also reading a book called Kung Leopold's Volnad, the ghost of King Leopold of Belgium, and sort of his 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 taking of of uh, Congo. Uh, and I'm just a fourth through the book, but so the horrors haven't really started yet, but I know they are to come. But shit, the the ingenuity of his designing of of him personally only this this wasn't belgium's uh colony this was his colony and just how he you know shit he's smart and people were definitely not uh doing lgdi there but the the opposite the MGTI. They heard, yes, they heard what they wanted him, what he wanted them to hear, sort of, and they just played along and, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the M gap. Yes, the M gap, precisely. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't know what to say. I mean, you have all these skills on board. It's quite obvious. You can see the guy's a genius and that some of it really is quite unpleasant. But you sense that there's a level on the surface of which it's unpleasant. There are acts that are genuinely um, unjust, that are not okay. You know, all of that stuff is there. But you also sense that there's a there's an underlying force, there's a, a, a sort of drive towards some sort of, of genius, some sort of um, elevation, some sort of insight and innovation and so on. And I mean, these are the things that plague us. This is what we have to grapple with. And for me, that's the question in any of these articles that I sent to you and the ones that you sent to me. So you sent me one of the uh, corona deniers <laughs> recently. I and I thought, oh, wow, that's really fun, you know. Um, let's have a look at this guy and find out who he is. And it's great because there's this, like, really, I think a really kind of honest and, and very valid drive to do something good. And I think that that really sits with most people on the planet, you know. Um, whether you want to take it from a scientific point of view or not, is not really that important to me, but yes, uh, the, the the sociopaths and psychopaths are at the tail end. They are the one percent, you know, minority. The rest of people actually want to do good shit. They really do. They want to do things not only for their own benefit, but for the benefit of you know whatever um, humanity or whatever they want to call it. You know, um, the Dunbar's number group around them, but. Um, Common benefit is kind of really obvious genetically. Um, 
yeah, we don't really have to doubt that people are not doing things to fuck you over just because they're doing them. You know, that's the sort of approach that people have towards, for example, Donald Trump. And then there's this kind of trough that just goes down like a huge sort of nuclear fallout that 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 guilt by association is okay. Um, you know, that, that you can stop thinking, you don't have to bother anymore. Um, those are things for me that are, that are difficult, that are not good, that are negative. But in the midst of them, um, like that guy that wrote the, the article and there was, I mean, for background, you, you sent something that was posted on Facebook, yeah, um, in Swedish, um, and somebody had translated the English materials, is that right? Yeah, I think that it was in, in uh, <coughs> it was published in Swedish, and then analyzed. And basically, the the message on the on the surface of it is that the Corona believers are seriously naive and stupid because um, basically all of this is anti-freedom, um, and that's all it is really. It's just control obsessed nonsense because this isn't really dangerous and here's the data here's the science you can count this stuff um, and well then you go and look at the the source of the stuff and the the counting is actually it reminds me a little bit of of Mr. Pueyo that you know you you can go and count Mr. Pueyo stuff as well but there are gaps in counting that we cannot account for, that we cannot explain in other ways, and that, yes, there is diversity, yes, um, you know, large is different. We have to allow for the fact that we, we don't know a fuck of a lot more than we do know, and that's probably just going to get to be a bigger and bigger gap, you know. Um, and on the other side of that uh, is the drive towards a general artificial intelligence, um, what are they called, uh, neuro nets, what's, what's Elon Musk's Neuralink. thing called? Uh, Neuralink. Um, and so on the one hand, there's this kind of sense of um, we are, you know, life forms that have certain restrictions and that that's really quite okay, you know, um, provided we can allow ourselves to really live out those possibilities that we have. And then on the other side is this kind of, pretty soon we're either going to be God or we're going to be gods, um, but theism is going to become part of our, uh, our reality. We're on that road and it's not far away. Pretty soon we're gonna have, you know, um, according to Samsung, we're gonna have <laughs> hologram. Uh, conversations and so on. And, you know, uh, looking at these two worlds, I tend to think that uh, the, 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 the one side where there's some sort of affirmation of life as it is, um, those are the signs that I look for in terms of the, the underlying uh, principle, the underlying structure, the thing that, that says, yeah, um, we don't really know how this works. Um, it's, it is quite amazing, it's quite astonishing, and we learn new things all of the time, and all the time we learn things, we kind of understand that the 
product of us learning things is that we know less and less. Every time we sort of open a new box, it just opens up 40 more galaxies, you know, um, and they're all got 40 galaxies in them and, you know, or billions or whatever the case might be. And it's like, oi, wow, okay. So, you know, there's definitely a, a process involved here and it's it's difficult and complex because it's like every time you just about going to put your finger on it, it sort of dissolves into something, ooh, there's something new. Let's investigate that. I know, wait a minute, we weren't supposed to investigate. It was supposed to, like, be there. Um, you know, it's it's difficult. And the, 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 the complete other side of that is this genius of Leopold, you know, that however fucking evil it is, however distasteful it is, however much horror there is involved, there is this astonishing energy in it. That's also part of where we are. So if you kind of can get these two poles together, you get a sense of the battery underneath. Um, and I guess that's what, what uh, flickers for me in the materials that I send you is, is a, a, an intimation of a way of thinking. Um, of uh, And often it's not the formula for thinking. It's more like... Um, here's a few small little bits of stardust floating around, you know, that um, in a few light years they, <laughs> they might just be a, a nebula or something that appears that you can actually describe. But there's, there's a sense, there's a kind of intuitive direction when people start to interpret law, when people start to talk about physics in ways that, that bend the rules, you know. Read uh, Max Tiergmark, for example, the Life 3.0. Max Tiergmark is full of stuff that's like, wow, is this really where we're at? Is this really where we're at? This is amazing. Because if you compare Max Tiergmark to uh, Fritjof Capra, for example. Um, Capra. Fritjof Capra published this book called The Tao of Physics. Mm. Um, it came out in 1990 approximately. Um, and it was one of these kind of breakthrough moments in, in, in the popular understanding of, of science. And um, certainly a lot of um, real scientists will tell you that uh, the power of physics is just pure bullshit, that quantum physics isn't anything close to what people think it is, and that's because of Fritjof Capra, because he was the bad guy. Um, now, Capra today is, is, is still very actively involved, but he's um, a voice amongst the regenerative communities. Um, to some degree, the, the integral world. Um, but the point for me is that when you compare that to Max Tiergmark, and you simply think about the trajectory of where the world was in 1990 to be able to receive the Tower of Physics and for science to become popular at that level and where it is now, what gets published now. If you read uh, the New York Times or you read, uh, you know, The Guardian, the depths of scientific material that gets, that gets presented as part of the common world wow man 
it's like shit how the fuck did that happen this is like people taking you know graduate courses three a year you know on a, on a on a global level that's a fucking big deal that's like a huge deal we don't really see the palpable results of that improvement in uh, uh, first principles thinking yet but we will I think I think part of the problem is that a lot of that development has been unsurprisingly directed because of the culture in which it occurs towards exactly these kind of issues of weaponization of seeking advantage of maintaining monopoly privileges etc etc and all of the the humanity stuff has kind of lagged behind but as first principles thinking gets closer and closer into the humanities uh, the understandings of politics of sociology of philosophy of psychology all of it improves and increases possibly the first areas that we see that is is for example neuroscience that neuropsychology uh, cognitive psychology it's very colored at the moment by um empiricism you might say um that there's a lot of data-based real-world objective science but holy shit man it's opening arenas for the possibilities that uh, are implied by precisely the stuff that the Tao of physics was talking about back then and there were other people like Gary Zukav um you know there, there was this uh, dancing wooly masters um or the angels on the head of a pin kind of stuff you know um so yeah i think they are like not just small impossibly impossible to see spores um from the puffer mushrooms you know um there are big big shifts big cultural shifts but fuck it's like a really painful birth you know it's like seriously crazy uh really disturbing um and possibly might get worse we don't know So explain first principle thinking. Thank you. Well, <laughs> the idea of first principles thinking is basically trying to not explain things by association but to engage with them on a level of uh, causal relationships. And in normal words, that would mean. Don't explain things by metaphors, um, because probably you're going to get caught up in uh, your own cultural shit and start to make causal um, associations that are actually correlative. Hmm. Cool. That made so much sense. <laughs> So, um, sort of circling back, now that you are then feeding the brain and your pocket and, and whatnot, 
you sort of continue to build on the same mind map or this sort of, and, and do you then go back now and again and sort of, ah, oh, let's see what's, what, what I've put in in this image that uh, wasn't there the last time I looked at it and sort of you revisit it. Yeah, and it's, um, it's basically embarrassing. You know, it's like a... Um, it's like a tour of um, my worst preconceived ideas. Um, I'm continuously reminded how poorly developed I am as a first principles thinker. That that's like the that's the the learning curve has to do with not doing the thing of explaining my world through adopting explanatory models that are based on metaphors that feel comfortable and axioms that I haven't examined, you know, um, and yeah, I do go back and look at it. And um, I think the interesting stuff for me is, is how I get affected emotionally, um, you know, where you kind of get this feeling of, oh, thank God, you know, somebody's going to take up that issue for justice or freedom or whatever the case is. And I told you so. Um, yeah, I've been saying that for years. <laughs> and there's this kind of like embarrassing moment of like, who is that talking? You know, it's like um, one of the sort of nice bunch of guys in my head, you know, that's either sort of in some sort of state of anti this or pro that or um, whatever. None of which I think is particularly helpful, but necessary along the way. Did you get it? No. For those who can't see this, only hear it, Caspian is catching a fly or trying to catch well, I, a fly. Well, with, with, with I've caught the fly a couple of times. Uh, it's still uh, bothering me. Now a mosquito showed up and okay. I was quite keen. You've caught the fly and then you don't kill it? No, I just hit it so that it sort of stays away from me. But I can't find the flugsmella. And so I can't actually the get rid of it. Fly swat? Is that what they're called? Yeah. Fly swatter. Fly, fly swatter? Swat! <laughs> I really don't like bugs. One of the big big reasons for me. armpit i'm just saying armpit not hand corona denier one more i'm just saying you saw me cough earlier i coughed in my arm you did very exactly. very well yes you're not uh uh corona denier y'all can take we have it. you outnumbered has anybody noticed how important dab culture has become yes we the, love dabbing. The dab sign, you know, that you can like cough and dab or you can say hi and dab and it's like so prescient, you know, that um, 
that like DAB established itself before Corona, there's such a strong correlation, possibly causal. There's this huge uh, football player called Paul Pogba uh, who used to celebrate his goals with DAB. And he went on several commercials promoting the DAB uh, when, when this all took off. Yeah, so that was a lot of words, folks. Sorry, you know. Thank you for giving me space to ventilate. That's what we're here for. We enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. <laughs>